obviously I want to be the best rider in the world, so I got to compete against the best rider in the world. To be the number one guy right now is something we have all had to earn, and, and you know, we don't get hired to go get fifth or sixth or fourth, let alone second. I mean, we, we're hired to win. It's crunch time for me, you know. I got the second place last year, you know, so there's only one spot left, and that's the championship. Oh, I don't think there's any words on how bad I want this title. It's a passion, you know, and I think there's something still deep inside of me that wants to push. When it comes down to racing, you better believe I'll be ready to go. the depth of field. That's the way this season is breaking down. One of the deepest fields we've ever seen. You tell me this championship is going to be competitive. Will you risk everything? Will you leave it all on the track? The quest to be Monster Energy Supercross champion is about to begin. The gate drop to kick it all off happens right Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Moto Limited Podcast. Here is your host, Nick Still and Trent Mar. What is up, guys, and welcome to the Teardown Podcast here, part of the Moto Limited Podcast. My name is Trent Mar, and as always, I'm joined by my partner in crime, Nick Still. Nick, what is happening, buddy? Uh, midweek. How good a midweek podcast, Trent? How good a midweek podcast? I, I enjoy them. You enjoy them. <laughs> and usually if, if we're doing something in the middle of the week, it's either big, it's either cool, or something horrible has gone wrong. That's right. I mean, the teardown is just that. This is where we get some breaking news during the week that we can't talk about on any of the main shows, and we sit here and we break it all down. And I guess if you're listening to this, you know exactly why we're here tearing this all down. And it's got to do with SX Global's announcement about the World Supercross Championship, Nick. Um, you and I have known a little bit about what's going on in the background. We've tried to keep everyone up to date. But the announcement come out last night about their plans and unveiling what the whole thing's going to look like. And you know us. We try and get the scoop. We've gone straight to the top. We've hit the man at the top. We've got straight to Adam Bailey. We're going to have him on tonight. We're going to pick his brain about everything. We're going to ask him questions. We're going to try and get to the bottom of everything we can to give you guys as much information about what this new World Supercross is going to look like. Well, just starting there, you know, we did get the announcement 10 o'clock last night. Dude, that seems like a really weird time to get a press release, even for the world, you know, yeah, super weird. It must have been a daytime thing in maybe Europe or something like that. But yeah, 10 o'clock seemed a, a little bit weird. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, there had to be something about it. It had to be special in some part of the world. Or, I mean, dude, we're, <laughs> we've been uh, in this situation before where it just happens to be the time everything comes together and you can send it out. So I don't know exactly why we can ask him that. That could be one of our questions that we ask him here. But um, yeah, we're going to... Get him on the phone, pick his brain, Nick. And then I think after that, me and you should just sit down and, and sort of break down what we think about it. Yeah. Well, just at first, let's go Let's go into the announcement itself. Obviously, five events from September through to November in 2022, which will serve as the pilot season, Trent. So, dude, 
that is, we're getting Supercross this year. That is that. That's the one thing I take out of that, and there's a lot more exciting things into that. But what's your thoughts on this whole, you know, five-round pilot season? I mean, they're going to have to start somewhere. I mean, you can't come in and do a 17, 18-round series straight away. Like, they're going to have to start somewhere. They've got to build this thing up. They've got to obviously get buy-in from teams and riders and everything like that. So a five-round series is going to be pretty cool to see what they can do, see how it's all going to come together. And then from there, hopefully they start building it throughout the next five years as their plan. They've got a five-year plan with this whole thing. Uh, build it up and see where it goes. I mean, the obvious question is going to be where are they holding these events? We can ask Adam, but I mean, ultimately, I don't think they quite know yet. I mean, they're, they're, we've spoken to him off the record and he said, you can say this sort of stuff. They're looking at different possibilities. I mean, hopefully we can get an answer out of him tonight about where it's going to be because that's going to obviously I think determine a lot of who rides it and and all those sorts of what teams are going to be involved yeah that you know that's it and uh, I I imagine we're probably going to see like Australia New Zealand maybe America Canada something like that but but who knows but I think the exciting thing with this and you know we'll get in this with Adam is how different this is going to be. Like each event is, each event will feature an elevated experience of fans through unique race formats, broadcast innovations, and in stadium attractions that elevate the whole entertainment experience. Dude, I even heard like the the idea get thrown around. Okay, the riders are going to be able to talk to the mechanics. Yeah, like yeah, I mean we have that technology. That's going to be something interesting for sure. That. They bring that in, that's a bit of a game changer, you know? And I guess that's kind of with this whole thing as well. Like, I mean, I've got so many questions right now, but for me, I feel like, Nick, like, why? I hope they don't just go with the Supercross series that we've seen heat races, LCQs, mains. Like, why do we? Why don't we have a different format? Are they going to have a different format? You know, is it going to be more of an entertainment spectacle rather than the purest of racing that we've seen before. Like uh, there's so much I would love to know about this and hopefully we can p- get to it tonight with Adam, but it's, yeah, I just, I, my biggest thing is I hope they don't just try and replicate what's already out there. Like you say that in that statement, that sounds like everything off the track. I want to know about on the track, like the racing and you know, at the end of the day, it's a championship. How's it going to look and it, is it going to be different or is it going to be the same as what we already see? You know, I, I agree with that 100%. And then I go and look at the people behind us. Obviously, Adam Bailey, AME Event Management, they are the people behind SX Open, OzX Open, whatever you want to call it. And that was a change, you know. They were starting to make this thing fun, doing, you know, the, the 125, the, the 252 stroke stuff, you know. I think with these guys behind it, it's going to be different. And I think the precedent at the moment is. They need something to be different. So I'm excited with whatever this is going to, you know, entail. And hopefully Adam should be able to, you know, just if we poke him enough, he should be able to tell us some, uh, a couple more secrets, Trent. Hopefully so. So we'll uh, we'll get him on the phone and we'll have a chat to him, hey? Yep. Won't be long. Alrighty, guys. As promised, joining us tonight on the Moto Limited Teardown Podcast, this guy is one of the main people behind the successful OzX Open Supercross, but now... He is the managing director for motorsports at SX Global. Adam Bailey, mate, how are you? 
Mate, I'm good. Thank you. I'm, uh, I'm better hearing your voice. Thanks for having me. Oh, oh, that was good. That's how I want you to come in like that, Trent. That's how I want you to greet me each week. Hey, that's the least he can do, right? He can treat you with the right respect. Oh, oh Jesus. Oh, Easy. His head won't fit in the studio anymore if you keep that up, Adam. God. <laughs> I just like to cause some infighting right from the get-go. Right. <laughs> all good, mate. We all are, good. We are all for that. Um, firstly, Adam, congratulations on the press release. Obviously, some information coming out about this. So from the two of us, congratulations. This is awesome news. This is huge for the industry. Um, this press release coming out, is it a breath of fresh air that finally you can stop, you know, fielding the calls when people are saying, oh, we need info, we need info. Now there's some info out and we can all go crazy about it. Yeah, it's a start, man. There's, there's definitely plenty to come, but I think, you know, what's really exciting to see the news come out today is, you know, we've been working on, you know, securing the FIM rights probably since last June or July when they first become available when, when that announcement came out that Feld wasn't going to renew. We, we sort of, you know, with uh, Tony Cochran, um, Ryan Sampson and I, we just got s- stuck straight in. And actually, um, the, when I was on the podcast with you guys the last time, that day was the day that our presentation to FIM arrived at the FIM office. So um, that's that. That's so uh, you know that's what was going on at that time. Um, so we we were working on it all that time to actually present to the FIM because we believed you know that we had the team that could could do this. Um, but at the same time, we were working in parallel to secure the financial backing to do so because you know it's one thing to run an event in melbourne and then grow to auckland and we had plans to grow you know overseas since back then we wanted to go into asia and we, had, we were very close to doing a deal in singapore you know thailand and we'd had discussions in japan so we've been growing to you know wanting to grow internationally for some time but um but without a, a, a big financial backer you know to, to to take on a world championship of this scale would just be too too much um so we were you know really, really excited to secure that, that partnership in December and actually signed signed off on it on Christmas Eve. Um, and then since then, just hit the ground running on what this plan looks like. What are we going to do that's different? How are we going to, you know, I don't want to say reinvent Supercross because Supercross is an amazing, amazing sport. We're, we're fans of it. But what are we going to do that's different? What are we going to do to make an impact on a global global um, level? And, and um, you know, today's and the announcement today is a big, it's the first step of, as to how we're going to differentiate and how we're going to, how we're going to tackle it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, talking about the financial backing and that, like, you know, you got Mubadala Capital on board. How did that relationship start? Like, how did you get in touch with them and, and start putting all these pieces together? Because that's, you know, as you said, that's a big part of this whole plan coming together. Yeah, I mean, and that that really started through Tony Cochran. I think his, you know, his um, his experience, his contacts, is what really led us to get that financial partner. To be honest, and there was a number of them. There was multiple interested in partnering with us because, um, you know, he did a great job selling the sizzle to speak, but also, you know, a genuine world championship doesn't come up very often. Um, and, uh, and I mean, in his, in his eyes and in his words, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Now, thankfully for us, you know, Fell didn't believe so. Um, yep. so that's what was great for us because when they said, well, you, we don't need it, we don't want it. We thought fucking great. This is awesome yeah. for us. So we went straight after it, you know, and, and he was able to use that, that, um, the success of what they'd done coupled with what we've done to be able to bring in that financial partner like Mubadala. And, you know, I mean, they're, they're incredible because not only do they give us, um, incredible financial security and the capital that you need to get going of something of this scale, 
but they also bring like global experience and contacts in the sport and entertainment space. It's far beyond anything that Supercross has ever seen before, which that is the really exciting part. The money is kind of like, you know, that's great. And you need yeah. that to be able to do a business at this scale, but, but to have that, that reach in the sport and entertainment space, their contacts, I mean, that it's just, it's beyond, you, you just wouldn't believe it. I, I'm learning things about them every week that I didn't even know about how far their reach goes. So that's going to, that's the thing that's really exciting for us in the sport. Really, what one question I have about the relationship you obviously have um, with this partner is how did you sell Supercross to them? Is this, you know, is it something they in the background had to go look into and see what the worth of Supercross was? How was that initially sold to this? Yeah, really good question. Um, the answer is they didn't know Supercross; they knew nothing about it. <laughs> um, we showed them a lot of data on what we'd done with Aussie Open. Um, you know, everything from our audience data, our interstate visitors. You know, Aussie Open in Melbourne was you know over forty percent of people um, travelled to that event. So it was like nine thousand people flew in specifically for that event, which is a huge amount of people. So things like that that show how driven people can be you know, and motivated fans are for Supercross. Um, they also invested, interestingly, $300,000 before we had the deal done into a into a research paper using a company out of the UK to research Supercross around the world and, and see where and what regions they thought there would be fans and why, whether it would or wouldn't be successful, what average ticket price they would pay, whether the governments would support it, all those kinds of things. They put a huge amount of investment into and time into to then present back to us the regions around the world where there's fans of Supercross, um, that there is no events. So, you know, they sort of did that as part of their own due diligence, um, which is why when once that came back as successful as it was, and they were like, okay, we, you know, and they looked at it, they were like, wow, this is, this is something special. There's an opportunity here. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, going with obviously going into regions and everything like that, I mean, you've got a five round pilot series is sort of what you've announced so far. Like, have you got an idea on locations yet or is that still being worked out and, you know, fine tuned? It's still being fine tuned, but the, the good news is there's plenty of options. Yeah. Um, you know, I think for this year we would be in very serious discussions with eight or 10 locations for this yeah. year. Um, but it's just too, it'd be too much to try and do, you know, for riders and teams and to try and squeeze in that at the back half of this year, obviously with COVID uh, as well, that was the reason why we wanted to be conservative, you know, going into going into this year, we really didn't want to put ourselves out there you know, too much. We felt that five or six was a good kind of medium where it's enough to be a legitimate world championship, but not too much to where it's just, too, you know, putting riders under too much strain and all, all that kind of thing. So that was the reason for that. And, um, but in terms of locations, I mean, um, you know, we'll be, we'll be fully global from this year. I mean, we're, we're talking in, in North America, um, multiple regions in, in Europe, um, in, uh, in South America, although I think it's looking more likely for next year, yep. you know, Asia, um, Indonesia included in that Japan, I think will be something we'll go to next year. Yep. And then, um, and obviously Australia is a big focus for us. So there's lots of regions interested. Again, it, we kind of feel like as soon as this sort of, started and we went to market so to speak with supercross promoters around the world and venues around the road yeah. uh, around the world sorry have lit up like they really want to see supercross and yeah. and, and it just really supports our thought there's, that there's fans and people that know supercross everywhere they just haven't had the opportunity to have it in their backyard yet and that's that's really what we're what we're wanting to do yeah dude i'm keen for a dubai trip 
So if we, can, <laughs> if we could have sort of Supercross in Dubai, that would be super cool. But um, I'm going to use a quote. Definitely. I'm going to use a quote here from it. So each event will feature an elevated experience for fans through unique race formats, broadcast innovations, and in-stadium attractions that elevate the entertainment experience. Can you, you know, elaborate to some ideas that you guys have had for, you know, say the, the race formats or, or broadcast innovations? I think, yeah, I think one of the main things, I mean, to start right from the start, the main thing that we want to do is focus on the heroes and the superstars of the sport in the events. So I think that was one of, one of not the only, but one of the reasons for the, the sort of 10-team format that we've done in the kind of pre-qualified rider list like a MotoGP because we sort of felt like too much of the night is spent, you know, on watching people trying to get into the main part of the yeah. show. Um, you know, and whilst us as hardcore fans, like, you know, I'm into it, like I love it and, and that's all good. But when you're trying to bring in new audiences, you want them to be seeing the best of the best that for the show. And that, and, and so one of the main, you know, changes to that, to the format really to begin with is that the, the main superstars are in the event, they're in the show, you know, they don't have to qualify to get into it. So that is one thing, which means that it means that we can feature them throughout the entire event, as opposed to, you know, um, you know, the top guys come out and they qualify from the heats and they disappear for two hours. Then they come back and race the main event at yeah. the end. You know, we want to be watching the, 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 the big dogs the whole time, I guess. So that's one thing I think, you know, what we have done successfully with Oz X open um, and we want to bring into this is, you know, a, a combination of the live sporting elements with the entertainment where it's a bit of, it's a more of a minute to minute schedule. There's more happening when the racing stops, music starts, you know, pyrotechnics, all, all that kind of thing is. So it's more of a entertainment experience than just the hardcore racing. Um, and that's, that's something that's, you know, really important to us because again, when you're trying to hook people that have no idea what's going on or, or racing, like sometimes, they're just into the music or it's just a good vibe and the crowd, you know, there's crowd reaction and stuff happening. And so it's fun and they're into it and they're entertained regardless of whether you're a hardcore fan of the sport. So that's kind of a, a, an important, there's no sort of, I guess, single thing that we're going to do that's going to innovate the life's experience. It's more that the whole experience needs to be at that top level that it combines a, you know, a concert with a, with the, you know, Supercross, which is an amazing sport in itself. So it's kind of how we mesh those together is our, is our, um, you know, our number one focus. And that, that goes for the broadcast too and how the, the broadcast um, and the, if it's live streaming, how does that, what do we offer the viewers that they don't currently get? What angles do we give them? What kind of unique access can we give them that they don't currently get or functions of, uh, you know, if it's a live streaming platform, you know, can we give them live data that the, from, from the riders? Can we give them a live onboard view from it, from their selected rider, you know, in real time? or like I said, data, RPMs, gears, yeah. you know, what are the kinds of things so that if you want to watch, um, to use your, your favorite guy, Joe Savacci, Nick, if you want to, go, I want to watch Savacci. Adam, that's changed. We, we don't go into that anymore. That's, uh, oh, okay. Rough, okay. Well, that's rough. a different topic. Very rough. Christian Why Craig. Not? Christian Craig. Let's go Christian Craig. Okay, Craig. Okay, Craig. Christian Craig. So if we want to follow Christian round, you want to see how he's, the G-forces he's feeling, the RPMs, his heart rate, you know, like – if you want to watch on board with him the entire race whilst you're at the event, then that would be something that would be really cool. Yeah. You know, so you could have it on your phone. I'm watching on board with Christian, but I'm also there and I'm also watching, you know, those are the kinds of things that we really want to achieve, yep. you know, and that we'll be working to achieve. So it's a fully immersive experience, I guess. 
Yeah, so I mean, we're gonna obviously be asked like the television package. Everyone wants to know like how they're gonna watch and see it. I mean, you guys are obviously in the process of trying to work that out, have it live streamed or on television or how that works. Have you got an idea, or is it still something that's in part of the planning? Uh, I mean, it's still still not known at this point in time. But I think one of the things to stress is that um, you know one of Mabadala's main ownership stakes is in IMG Endeavor, which is a you know a global television yeah, um, distribution business and one of the biggest in the world. So I think our focus, and it's in, you know one of our key focuses, is we don't have a dollar in our line item this year for broadcast revenue. Our focus is on eyeballs and how. And another great thing about having invested like we do is. How do we grow the audience, grow the eyeballs first and foremost, think about the revenue second, you know? And um, whereas sometimes if you're relying on that to sort of keep you afloat, then you're going to go for a lesser lesser broadcast, you know, option that's probably yeah. not going to... And, and I think that's what where motocross and supercross has fallen into, you know, quite a bit around the world at the moment is that the, it's not easily accessible um, yes. for, for, for people to watch. And we've got a, you know, hundred percent focus on the fact that we need new people watching it. And if you've got to search and find something, then people can't stumble across you. You know, we need linear TV to make sure they can stumble across and be like, what's this? Oh, this, this is unreal. You know, yep. you can't do that if you've got to search and find it. And that's the issue with streaming or the issue with some of these kind of platforms that we need to overcome. And um, so whilst we don't have exactly where it's going to be as yet, and it'll yep. take a good couple of months to figure that out, it's, it's you know, us saying that our focus is on eyeballs reach, make sure it's, you make sure that people can get a hold of it wherever they are in the world. That's our number one priority. Yeah. Ever since, you know, the announcement originally came out in December or January, you know, on every motorcycle motocross podcast show, you know, the arguments being there at the level of rider, who you're going to get to these events. Now, before you've got to this, has discussions been with Ken Roxford, Eli Tomac? Have you guys reached out to them and the teams over there and seen what their uh, their thoughts are of this? Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. I mean, oh, you know, without naming anyone specifically, I'll say that the interest is there for the, from the rider's perspective. There's no doubt that I think that there's a huge number of the top riders that would love to be supercross specialists and that that's what they, that that's how they see, they would love to see their season going. Um, now there's obviously complexities with that because the team that they're riding for won't, may not necessarily agree or may have a, a contract in place that says they've got to do outdoor motocross or, you know, whatever the case may be. But in terms of rider interest and riders that are engaged, um, that's, you know, that's been phenomenal. There's definitely no, there's no question about that. The, the challenge for us is how do we link them with the team or how do we, uh, how do we connect the dots so that they can participate because we're talking about completely changing the way their contracts are structured currently, you know, and that's just for the American riders, but other riders around the world, you know, it's, it changes. It's a, it's a different um, challenge altogether again. So, um, but I think if we didn't have riders, if we didn't have all the top riders that wanted to be involved or the majority or the ones that we've spoken to, unless they're lying to our face, then I would be more concerned. But the fact is, you know, from what I hear, from what I'm told, they want to be there. Just how do we, how do we, how do we make it happen? Yeah. Cause I mean, that's the question that I said, people are talking about, but for me, it's like, you know, are they the riders you like, who, who's the rider that you trying to target? I know you're saying the best in the world, but that's all the Americans. Cause that's what they do for a living. Like, is there a plan to be like, Hey, let's, we want to get some of these Australian guys that are probably just as good, but need a little bit more or the European guys. I mean, they, if they had it and they were riding at it, 
they're probably going to get better is I know like you're obviously trying to sell the best, but there's going to be a point where it's going to be a give and take. Have you kind of thought that part of like, well, maybe we take X amount and then try and bring these other guys with them. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, yeah, it's a hundred percent. The goal is not to just pick up the American series and drag it along. That's not what we want because whilst there is a good, you know, there's a few great international riders in there and obviously, you know, the French guys and, and, um, and, and, you know, German Ken Roxon and, um, and, and, uh, Dino and, and Max Anthony, there's, there's, there is international flavor in there. Yeah. Um, but, but to make this a truly global sport, we need to, we need to bring in talent from around the world, you know, and there'll be talent around the world that isn't as experienced as Supercross yet. Cause they haven't been exposed to it yet. Yeah. Um, so we have to, it's a balancing act, but we have to bring them along because we need it to be global and we need, you, know, you need Australians in there, you know, um, just so happens we've got a couple of the best in the world right yeah. now, but if we didn't, we would still, um, we yeah. need, we need British riders. We need to get some guys from Spain, from Italy, from obviously France, from Brazil, from Argentina, you know, how, how do we, and in definitely in Asia and Japan, how do we do that? We've got to, we've got to, um, that's a big focus for us that we're working on at the moment is to get the balance active. We want the best in the world. There's no question because people are going to buy, buy tickets and watch on TV to see the best in the world. But we also need to be bringing in, you know, talent um, from around the world to make it truly global as well. So, yeah. you know, to answer your question, it's a, it's a bit of a politician's way to answer it, but it's a, it's a balancing act that we need to, that we need to achieve. And, and, most definitely that's, that's something we're trying to do. Because yeah, for me, like looking at it, it's like, you know, if you bring in say Kenny and, and Eli or, or Cooper for that matter, but then you're trying to put them up against those European guys that don't have, it's actually, uh, to be honest, I don't think it's going to be that entertaining because those guys will be just way better because that's what they do. Like, would it be beneficial to maybe go, Hey, let's get those next level guys, get them in. I know it's, they're not the superstars, but at least the racing's more entertaining. Like have you guys, because to me, I just like, if you put the rock stars in there with the others, I feel like there's going to be a bit of a gap. And you see that in those European races that they have right now. There's like a gap between the, the guys who do this for a living day, week in, week out, and the guys in GPs that kind of just do it as a one-off each year. That's why I love mm. the wild card idea. I think that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And that's what that's designed to do too, is to help us be able to bring in newcomers, yeah. you know, bring in people. We go to a certain region, there's a wild card entry or two in each class that we can bring them in to get them the experience and they can be the local star for that one, but they may not be, you know, at the level of the others, but it gives them exposure and helps bring them in. Um, yeah. But I think, yeah, again, it's a balancing act because if I'm buying a ticket, I want to see the best in the world. Yeah. And this has happened in, you know, that was X open. It's been successful for us. You know, we brought in Jason Anson when he's the current world champion, you know, um, technically speaking, you'd expect him to kill everyone, but yeah. you know, he did win every race, but not all that easily because yeah. we also manage the difficulty level of the tracks to make sure that it, it, it you know, it is competitive to helps, helps the guys that may not be at that experience level just to bring him just that tad bit closer, you know? So, um, and, and also shorter races, you know, we've always done that so that, yeah. um, you know, that kind of adds to it too. Uh, yep. so there's, there's things that we can do to try and manage it, but, but to your point, you know, we want to have the best there, but, um, it would probably use the wild cards to bring in some of those internationals when you go around the world to try and give them the exposure kind of thing and help bring them into the, bring them into the championship over time, you know? Yep. Perfect. So, yep. So, you know, ever since this has sort of come out, what's been the, uh, What's been the general consensus from like Feld Entertainment or Supercross or, you know, the industry in America? 
What's been the, uh, you know, what have you been hearing about? Are people for it? Are people against it? People think it's going to work, not going to work? What's, uh, what's the word you hear back? Uh, all, all range, honestly. There's no single answer. We've had everything from this is going to be fucking amazing, this is what we need, this is the best thing ever to you're dreaming this is not going to work. We've had every, we've had that. It, it comes in all spectrums and it really just depends who you talk to. Um, you know, I, I feel like there's the new school, there's some really global thinkers over there that, that, that get it and particularly working for some brands, some brands that, that are like, this is amazing, you know, um, it's what the sport needs. It's going to take us to the next level, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then you've also got people to go, but how are you going to get the teams? Why would we, Supercross is based here in America. Why, why would we go anywhere else? Supercross is an American sport. And we go, well, to that, I believe it, it is an American sport, but it should be a global sport. Like, why shouldn't these guys be seen around the world? Why shouldn't Jet Lawrence have just as many fans in Spain as he does in America or Australia? Yeah. You know, why, why shouldn't there be there be girls in Holland that are, that are, you know, sending in TikTok videos and all that kind of thing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what, it should be, it should be a, you know, I think we, as hardcore fans, it's one thing to say it's an American sport and that's, what, that's all it is. Yeah. But then in one breath, but then you look at MotoGP or Formula One, why shouldn't these guys be seen as MotoGP or Formula One athletes? They're every bit as talented, if not more so. They take way more risks. They're incredibly supremely fit. You know, they're underrated and, and they're underpaid on the basis that they're, they're paid out of one country. Yeah. And if, if these guys see the opportunity for themselves to be paid and, and seen as a, a global marketing asset or a global athlete, then that just opens doors for them for new brands, new sponsors, far more money, far more fans, far more following, far more eyeballs. And we believe that that's an opportunity that's, that's too good for them to, to, to pass up. Yeah. I mean, for me, like looking at it too, and we've spoken to you, you know, about this and you've been kind enough to give us some information, but you kind of broke down how the team structure works too, which is very unique. That model itself is different to what we've seen uh, in any of the other series. And as you said, the way these riders make more money too, like in that announcement, there's, you know, quarter of a million dollars worth of, you know, prize money and all this sort of stuff. Like just explain how that's going to work, how teams actually get their full riders and how they buy their, their spot. And then obviously the riders make money out of the back end of all that. Sure. Well, I think, yeah. I mean, one the first thing that we kind of recognize is that a team in Supercross uh, is not financially viable in the real world. Um, the, the, the teams that race currently in AMA Supercross, there's only a few that are um, factory teams and, and of those, and those factory teams are able to pour a whole bunch of money in because those manufacturers are able to do it for a marketing spend. But for everyone else, there's no, it's not financially viable, right? Cause they don't, they pay to go there. They pay for their own tickets. They pay their own way. Um, and the sponsorship for them doesn't add up enough. Uh, the sponsorship return doesn't add up enough, um, you know, to, for them to cover their costs essentially. So, what we've tried to do and also because um you know one of the things that we really identified is that there's no exclusivity so essentially you know the three of us can decide we want to start a race team we can turn up to anaheim one and we can give it a crack we can put someone on the bike we can we can go for it and that devalues the other teams that are there that have been there for years because what level of exclusivity is there you know whereas um, in in Formula One or MotoGP, you can't do that. You can't just turn up and, and, and bring your bike or bring your car and go for it. You need to have a license to compete. And so the first thing we wanted to do was create a, create an, a level of exclusivity to being a team owner to try and increase the value of those teams. So, you know, so they actually, if they're a competitor in this championship, they're one of the 10 teams selected, 
they have something that's worth something. They have a license that's actually got some value. And over time, as we grow and as the championship grows, so does the value of those um, of those team licenses. So yeah. that was the first step. So we created uh, – and, and Tony Cochran did this really successfully with Fiat Supercars. They have what they call the, is the racing entitlements contract. We've created the Supercross Teams Entitlement Agreement, which is essentially you know a similar version. Yep. Um, it's very similar to there's the um, charter system in NASCAR. Yeah. Um, that they, they have, again, F1, MotoGP have it. Supercross is kind of the only, you know, elite level motorsport where the competitors pay to be a part of it. Which, <laughs> So, you know, when you think about it that way, it's kind of like obvious that we should be flipping that and going, well, hang on, if these guys are the stars of the show, we're going to be able to make money from selling tickets and TV broadcasts and sponsorships, et cetera, then we probably should give them something to come along as opposed to them paying us to come along. So that was the first thing. Um, and then obviously by having just those 10 teams, that means we want to pre-qualify 250 and 450, um, you know, riders. So we want 20 riders in each to begin with. Um, and, uh, so each team will have two, 250 riders and two, 450 riders in them. Um, and then there'll be two wild cards in each class at each round to make up the rest of the, the 22 rider grid. Um, and so then from having those 10 teams, we provide them with a, a signing fee um, for this year, uh, which is heavily weighted to this year. And, um, the reason for that is because we understand that this, this season is going to be a tough one because people yeah. have already got budgets and they've already committed and et cetera, et cetera. So we're giving them a large chunk of money to, to help them get sorted for this year and cover the additional costs that they wouldn't have budgeted for. Yep. Um, and then, and then they get payments for the next two years and then, um, each round that they can participate in, they get a, an appearance fee. So they yep. get paid to show up. Um, again, they've got to turn up with their four riders ready to race and, and, and that, and there's a, that's what the agreement's for. It's kind of like a, it's a contract between us that says that you, you turn up with these riders that you say you're going to, then we'll, we'll pay you to be there kind of thing. Yep. And, um, and, uh, and then the last thing is the, um, freight and logistics, you know, uh, we'll, we'll essentially provide them with a box or boxes throw their bike, throw their parts, throw, throw their tools into, and then we'll fly it around the world to all the, all the locations. So again, for, so for a, a team, they don't have to have big infrastructure. It doesn't have to be another semi that's going to go on the road or they don't have to, you know, um, if you are going to start a team, for example, you don't need to buy all this infrastructure that a, you know, a traditional team has. It can literally be your toolbox and your, your, your you know, the, your, your traveling kit, I guess. Yep. And it's like a flyaway, um, exactly like MotoGP. When the MotoGP comes to Australia or goes outside Europe, they're all in boxes, all in crates, and, um, yep. and it just gets flown, flown around. Um, so that's kind of where – so I guess by eliminating a lot of the cost for the teams and providing them with funding in terms of appearance fees and in, in signing fees, then and, and there's the prize money – is actually paid to the teams. So, you know, so the, yeah. the prize money is paid to the teams and then it's up to the team to sort of pass all of it down to the rider or pass none of it down, half of it down. It may depend yeah. on who the rider is as to how they work out that thing. But the purpose of all that is to, to put the control in the team's hands because, again, like I said before, we need the teams to be successful. We need yeah. the teams to be to be well-funded because if they are, then they have more money for riders, more money for the mechanics, more money for everyone else to, to be paid accordingly. And yeah. it becomes, you know, it's, you know, it flows down, I guess. Um, the reason why a privateer, you know, or, um, and this, and you know, or, or the reason why I say, I won't say a privateer, I'll say a, a 15th place guy doesn't get 
any money or much money is because the team has to spend all their money to get there. There's nothing left, you know, there's nothing left to give you. I'd love to pay you buddy because you're worth it because you're working your ass off, but there's nothing left, you know, in this case we're we're saying, well, you know, we want to take care of a lot of that um, and reward the teams that, that, that come with us on this journey, particularly at the start. And, um, and the money flows down to the, you know, to the riders to make sure they're paid accordingly for, for um, you know, for their talent and their hard work, which we think is, like I said before, massively underrated. Talking about you know the teams, the motorcycles with FIM, you see MXGP compared to Supercross. MXGP, they're you know full work bikes. Supercross is completely different. Has there been discussions with the FIM with you know these Supercross bikes whether they can start you know looking at making these things full work bikes? You know, changing changing stuff. You're not allowed to in America. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, honestly, that's, that's totally up to us. We could, we can decide to go either way. Cool. Um, at this point in time, we're kind of putting it out to the manufacturers a little bit to say, do you want a full work spikes or would you like production based? I think at the, I think at the early stages, production based is better because it's a, it's a easier transition from where they're currently at for a supercross bike, but whether that, evolves into something else kind of remains to be seen because um again like i said we, we, we want to put that to the manufacturers as to what they want to see really and i think there's there's merit to both there's merit for managing cost with production base and you know making all the teams you know even so it's yep. you know and we want to control their spending like that's something that's really important yeah or um but then there's something really cool about works bikes too so you know i don't actually have the exact answer to be honest with you but it's definitely been talked about the potential for it's cool though i like that that's that's cool for sure. I think we are trying to manage the costs. It's the thing is one of the other things that well, was two main things that we're doing to manage the costs as well is we, we're covering their freight, but we're also saying you can't take anything else. So yep, it's I not just that. like, Hey, we'll pay for a box and then HRC <laughs> decides to send 20 other boxes. You know what I mean? It's kind of like whatever you take is what you can take. And so everyone has the same. And then it's how many people, there's a limit to the amount of people. So I think we've said 12, approximately 12 people for a full rider team. So there's not, unless they're marketing and PR staff, the 12 people that can work on bikes, et cetera. So that, you know, you can't have three suspension guys, another three um, electronics guys, you know, and another two engine people. And then the mechanics, you know, again, we're just in racing. One thing's for sure is that you need to save the teams from themselves. And that that's something that we need to do is make sure we manage the cost again. So the money, goes to the right areas it goes to the riders essentially the riders the the, the riders are the ones that determine the result more than anyone so you need them to be getting paid accordingly kenny kenny will have a meltdown (laughs) (laughs) not enough people (laughs) (laughs) we need more crates adam more crates (laughs) (laughs) oh man all right i will do we, we asked you for 15 minutes. We've had you for over 15 minutes. So we appreciate you giving us the time. I got plenty more questions, but I mean, you, you moving up to Queensland helps us a lot here because we can get you in studio hopefully again soon and talk a bit more about this and, and everything else that you've got going on as well. And I mean, you know, there's still the Australian Supercross series. We'd love to, to find out more about as well. So, um, but uh, you got anything else, Nick? Um, I'll just, I just want to talk about Christian Craig's deal with this. <laughs> but we, we can do that Far off air, Adam. We can do that off air. It's fine. 
I want my Mate, you might need to send him a letter just to don't don't worry we we want him there oh, so uh, you send, fine. send I want, him a fan I want in, the send, send the him best. a fan endorsement yep needs to be a nice hotel flash plane <laughs> we'll sort it, we'll sort yeah. it. Nick's got to find his money to become a team manager and just put Christian yeah. Craig out. yeah why don't you put put your name up for a license Nick and then you can get whoever you want <laughs> yeah you can yeah. have him do both classes <laughs> yeah nah he's got to stay off the two fifty I won't be able to fight too many people <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had to get the Christian Craig talking. We had to do that. Um, uh, all right. Well, we'll, we appreciate the time, Adam. We'll uh, wrap this one up here, but we'll definitely have to catch up soon and, and uh, yeah, do some more digging. Sounds good, fellas. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Adam. Trent, Adam Bailey, that guy is uh, – I love that guy. I can sit there and uh, just talk to him about this sort of stuff all day, man. It's uh, – what these guys are doing is it's impressive. Yeah, man, it's, you know, we said like 15, 20 minutes. We had it for like 30-odd minutes and we still had so much we wanted to talk about. Just the passion that oozes out of that guy for the sport and for the industry is, is you know, something contagious. You know, we can sit here and we're pretty amped now for this to start. You know, we can't wait till it is September this year and we can see what the World Supercross looks like. And obviously, there was a lot of things that he c- couldn't give us answers to, which... We kind of knew coming in, like they're they're still working on it. This is still a work in progress, but I mean, you know, he's th- there's things in place. They've thought about a lot of different things, and man, it's a very unique uh, sort of concept that they're working with too. I think it's more the fact now that we know, hey, it's it's going to be different. It's going to be different than what we're normally used to. You know, he alluded to it a little bit there with you know these things that they're going to be trying to do different, you know, to compare it. And then, you know, the options to go, Hey, we can use full work, works bike, stuff like that. Um, some of the places they're going, Trent, dude, I am 100%. I'm going hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be different. Like, it, you know, the whole premise is they want it to be a full world championship. You know, they're going all over the world, different continents having these races. So, it's, a, it's awesome to see what they're doing. I'm, I'm interested to see how it plays out. There's still obviously things that I'm going to be skeptical on, and I think people are going to be skeptical on moving forward. That's just the nature of human nature is that we are you know skeptical on things until we see it in person. So, I mean, I'm amped. I, I know Adam Bailey does a great job. We've seen it with OzX. We've seen it with uh, the SX Open in New Zealand. We know that these guys put on a great job. It's just all the other factors. I mean... Obviously, the main thing is the riders, you know, like the key element is what riders are going to be there or what bikes and, you know, the competition side of it. Because, I mean, as much as it's cool to see the show and everything and and a lot of people are going to watch it for that, there is a lot of a very diehard community that we have that want to watch the races and want to see the bikes and, you know, that side of things. So I'm interested to see how that actually forms up and, and plays out over this championship. That's, you know, one of the things I'm looking forward to. I, I think, you know, a big factor behind that is the money. Obviously this, yeah. this, uh, this championship, you know, it's going to go in history as being one of the most highest paid events, probably in, in, in motorcycle history, Trent. Mm. And I think that there, that's how you're going to get a lot of these guys. And, you know, this is an argument we've heard for the last few weeks is that, you know, the level of riders that we're going to get here, you know, this probably works out awesome for people like Marvin Muska and Ken Roxon that I can't see going again. Something like this, you know, yeah. traveling around with their families, their families get to see more of the world, um, making great money at the same time with their fans. You never know, dude, Chad Reed could fucking line up for this shit. Like, yeah. 
it, the the opportunities are just yeah they're endless. Yeah, I mean, and I like the team idea, like how they've structured that. And but I still have questions. Like, it's all good saying you're going to have a team, but we know that a lot of this sport is bike. Like you say, oh, they they're going to allow works bikes. Okay, but is Honda going to be like, all right, we're going to put in a team? Like, are we, you know, and that have to be Honda Japan is you know putting in a team. That's not going to be, you know, American uh, Australian Honda or American Honda. That's the Japan. So that to me is still the unknown. And and you know, you could be anyone and buy a team. Okay, cool. Like, but then what bikes are they riding? Like, there's still a lot of questions, which I think we're going to get answers to here shortly. But I, as you said, I do see Ken Roxon and Marvin Moosecan, but you know. I also want to make sure that we get to see some of these GP guys that have Supercross talent, some of our Australian guys that have Supercross talent, you know, Japanese riders that have Supercross. Like, I, I want to see all of them. I just don't want to see another American series, which, by the sounds of it, that's you know, that's their focus at SX Global. Is we don't want that. We want to be a full world championship. You know, going back to the teams, basically. You know, I don't think it's going to be like, okay, this is the Honda team. This is the Kawasaki team. Dude, I think it could be, look, this is the Fox team, which can consist of Ken Roxon, Adam Cincerulo, and maybe a 250 PC rider. I think these teams are going to be made up of different bikes, different riders, you know, 250, 450. I think this is going to be the, one of the new changes. It could be a pro circuit team, you know, it, it could be – it's endless of what this thing can be. Yeah, yeah. but it, it, as I said, it just comes down to the bikes. The the bikes is what's going to be, I guess, a, not a determining factor, but that's what, what I'm interested in the most is I want to see what bikes these guys are riding in and that operation. I like how, as you said, Fox could have a team or someone like that, but it's what motorcycles are they going to be riding and, and do they have the support of these OEMs to do that? That's – yeah, a big question, and and again, until they have teams that say they want to be a part or buy into the the championship, we're not going to be too sure. So, so a lot of unknowns still, but it's cool to see that it's going to be a five round series starting in September this year, a pilot series. You know, they're looking at trying to start, you know, somewhere in the US or somewhere there or Canada and move around and do one in Australia, which I you'd imagine run parallel to Ozx, um, and then you know finish off somewhere else or finish here. You don't know, but it's just cool that he's got an idea. They've got an idea. It, it looks like it's, it doesn't look like it is going to happen. It's not just talk at this point. You actually physically didn't see it, but there's still a lot of things I think that need to fall that we can then be like, all right, this is gaining more momentum. You know, going back to how you were saying it and these guys buying into it. Yeah. I think this time, you know, here's a, you know, they've announced they're actually going to pay a sign on figure which is going to go to that team. So that might be, I don't know, what, 100, 150,000 just to sign on for the series. And then obviously all expenses get paid. So obviously to get the motorcycles and a mechanic to each round. And then obviously event money for showing up. So I think from a team point of view as well, them not having to outlay money straight away is going to be a massive thing to them because exposure for all their brands, all their sponsors around the world. Um, so that's one thing I look at and I go, okay, I like that. I think it potentially can work. But uh, where we go from here, uh, you know, I think that the next step there, Trent, is getting some dates, getting some locations yeah. knocked in. And, dude, I think that's going to come sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, ho- hopefully the next, you know, 
month or so we see something and then we can you know continue more and as i said uh, it was you know awesome of adam bailey to give you give us his time you know we've um built a relationship with adam and he's you know gives us a, gives us his time and gives us the information so we can continue to help you know grow the sport and, and give you guys the listeners you know the insight that you hopefully you're looking for i mean there was plenty of stuff that we missed out on too nick you know we both like got half an hour in and we're like hey oh sorry man we said you know this time and we still had plenty of stuff we had to ask so i mean it's definitely an idea in the future that we're, we're going to try and get him back in in studio in person too would be cool uh but it definitely once more information comes to light you know picking his brain getting more more answers to some questions and uh, trying to keep everyone up to date with what's going on with the world supercross Yep, exactly. I agree 100%. And, you know, you summed it up right there. Uh, the relationship that we have with Adam Bailey, that's one thing, dude, I thank him so much for. Obviously, this came out at 10 o'clock last night, Trent. And yeah. it's uh, you can imagine how his phone to be getting blown up. You can imagine how many media outlets would be trying to reach out. Uh, sent him a quick message last night. Got back to us straight away. Um, so that's one thing we really, really appreciate with Adam is, uh, dude, how good he is to us and, you know, the relationship that we're starting to build. Yeah, for sure. He's um, yeah, v- very understanding with us and helping us trying to to build our brand, you know, and and be a media outlet. And you know, hopefully we can continue that in the future. Again, Adam, you know, if you need somebody to announce World Supercross, <laughs> if you and look, if you need someone to put these deals for Christian Craig together, more than happy. I will I will delegate. That's fine. Um, if 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 someone needs to accompany Christian on the plane to these events, also. Oh, it's a tough job. I'll put up my hand. It's fine. God, you guys. I I mean, I'm going to try and get my boy Carl Webster. I mean, he said last time we talked to him, he likes Supercross. It just hasn't been much since he's, you know, been back here in Australia and, and racing. So, got to see what his Supercross skills are like. And if they're as good as his motocross skills, Nick, I'm I'm pushing the Webster bag. Imagine our dream team, <laughs> Carl Webster and <laughs> Christian Craig. <laughs> oh. We did, you wouldn't even need be, a, you don't even need two other riders. It's fine. No, just, just them. Just ultimate fangirling by the two of us. Oh, <laughs> it's uh, you know, obviously Adam talks about oh yeah, you can you know the potential there that you could be on live with Christian's bike through that whole man event. Yeah, that's that's cool. not going to do my anxiety any good, uh, Adam. That's yeah. potentially going to make it worse. Yeah, I already sure. ride an emotional roller coaster. I don't need to be on the bike. <laughs> but no, um, being seriously, dude, that's cool. No one's ever yeah. done that before. It's interesting. Very interesting stuff. And as I said, it sounds like they've got a lot of plans. It's just obviously them coming into action now, which we're going to see here in the uh, coming months, I'd say. And, and I mean, they've got a very short window too, Nick. I mean, to September, as much as we're only in March now, September is We'll be here pretty quickly, and and they've got a lot of stuff to to get sort of up and running. So, um, full props to those guys. I mean, the whole team there that are behind, you know, SX Global and and the World Supercross Championship. It's it's going to be cool. Uh, and again, hopefully, we answer some of the questions for you guys as our listeners. And uh, obviously, there's things you couldn't answer, so that's is what it is. But you know, leaving the conversation, Nick, he was willing to obviously come back on when more information comes to light and, and keep you guys up to date. And I mean, the other thing we didn't touch on was obviously Australian Supercross as well, where we want to get that information about our local uh, domestic championship here as well and, and how that all fits into this whole Supercross plan as well. So there's so much we could talk to Adam Bailey about and for only in the you know, half an hour that we had him, we I feel like we got a lot in. 
Absolutely. And like you said, September's coming quick. So uh, until then, at least we get to, every time we get an announcement, we'll be here. We'll talk about it. We'll get Adam on when we can and, and break this thing down as much as we can, Trent. That's it. That's the uh, Ted Down podcast. As I said, these things are just when breaking news happens or any information comes to light that we can share with you guys. We try and get the person on that's in, in part of it or just give our opinion on what's happening. So these ones aren't a weekly podcast. This just comes out when the information comes, but hopefully you guys enjoy this, the Race Recap podcast, the one-on-one podcast that we do, on the, and as well as the live show. All of the stuff we do here at Moto Unlimited, we're trying to bring as much information, and we hope you guys enjoy it. But uh, let's wrap this one up, Nick. World Supercross Championship. Excitement. Let's get it on. But uh, we'll see everyone next time. See you guys.